Hello everyone and welcome to the SINT Q1 Interim Report. My name is Nadia and I'll be coordinating the call today. If you would like to ask a question at the end of the presentation, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. I will now hand over to your host, Giles Palmer, CEO to begin. Giles, please go ahead. Thank you, Nadia, and good morning, everybody. Welcome to our Q1 um, earnings call. Um, before we kick off, I just thought I'd say hello and introduce myself because this is the first um, the first time you will have heard from me, and I actually only started with the company uh, on the 1st of April. Uh, well, actually, that was a Saturday, so I probably started on the 3rd of April, so I'm a month in. Um, so uh, bear with me uh, in terms of my ability to go deep on historic uh, historic issues because uh, a month isn't a very long time. But let me just tell you a little bit about me and uh, why uh, why Sint chose me for the role and why I took the role and a little bit about uh, my qualifications for, for doing a good job. Um, so I, I started a company called Brandwatch in 2006, which we sold to... Um, decision for uh, 15 years later uh, for about around about $500 million. Uh, and that was a technology company. So I started it from, from basically a piece of paper, grew it, raised capital, uh, expanded to different markets. Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost connection with our speakers. Please stand by as I reconnect them. By, we have the speakers reconnected. Sorry about that. Um, so, yeah, I was just telling you about the story. Um, so we acquired Crimson Hexagon. We did a, a ton of planning on the uh, technical integration ahead of time, ahead of the deal. We did, um, we negotiated the deal uh, and then stepped into it. We took out a bunch of synergy, a bunch of costs in the first quarter. But the key thing that I wanted to bring to this call is that 
uh, with two completely separate technologies, we uh, we planned and integrated them and created a net new product from different parts of the two uh, the two independent stacks within one year, uh, and then we transferred and migrated all the customers over to the new product, uh, and that took another year. But it was a much more complicated customer migration than the customer migration that we're looking at, looking at at Synth because there was so much historic data. Um, from each of the each of the products tied up with the customer account, so um, that that process was you know obviously very challenging and very bruising, but it but it set the company up for significant long term success. We took the pain early, we did the hard work, we integrated the companies, and then uh, once that it was done, the growth rates uh, we were able to put more money into the go to market machine, and the growth rates accelerated very quickly thereafter. Um, during the course of that integration, that two-year integration of the c companies and the technologies, um, the, you know, the commercials were very challenging. We saw growth rates decline, despite the fact that the thesis ahead of time was that um, that there would be less churn because uh, you know we wouldn't be churning between the two competitors. So I've seen this movie before a little bit. Um, it's obviously different this time around, but the the, the approach that I'm bringing to this organization and and the uh, the, the thinking. The, the philosophy is to create a in, an integrated organization back to front, a, a, a product which is uh, the best of, well, we're, we're, in this case, we're, we're choosing one technology over the other, but we're, we're going to extend it, we're going to improve it, um, and we're going to create an integrated uh, platform for, from which we can, with which we can bring the customers across. And then we can optimize and and, um, uh, and streamline the organization and, and make it more efficient. So I just wanted to kind of at least bring that uh, bring that to this call ahead of time before we talk about the Q1 numbers. That there's a there's a philosophical approach that I'm going to be taking here, and I just wanted to give you a bit of background as to the fact that I've done it before. Right. Um, next slide, please. Thank you. Uh, so as you know, I'm sure because I don't think anybody on this board is new to this company. I think you have a lot more experience with Synth than I do. Um, founded in the, the Synth business, founded in 98. Lucid um, was founded, I think, in 2006. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, so that's not on here. Anyway, but it, Lucid was acquired in 2021, around about 1,000 employees. And the, the key thing here is that, uh, and the way that I think about this, is that Synth brings together organizations that want questions answered with real human beings who answer those questions for uh, on, you know for those companies and we match make we bring those two sides of the market together um, and the way I think about it is that we are feeding and helping to uh, well feeding in both in terms of satiating and growing the world's desire with the world's curiosity um, so that's us and a global company, America is our, the America's the biggest market, 58%. Obviously, um, uh, APAC's the smallest, but, you know, very much a global company. Next slide, please. So, yeah, Q1, week start of the year. Well, let's not sugarcoat this. Q1 was not a great quarter. We're not going to pretend at anything different. Um, you know, you can read through what, what's on the slide here. Um, the media measurement business did, did go well, but the underlying marketplace businesses, um, both the Sint and Lucid uh, business, were, were we had challenging quarters or a challenging quarter. Um, the fourth point down here, 
I mentioned in the foot in the introduction. The focus is now on the complex phase of product and customer integration. Well, product integration and customer migration. And once that's done, and it's going to take a while, um, the company will be extremely well positioned for long-term, sustainable, profitable growth. And that's my focus. Um, I'm going to come back to the leadership team, my new team, um, on the last slide. Uh, next slide, please. So, yeah, here it is in numbers. I've made them big. <laughs> they're not They're not the numbers that I want to be seeing. They're not the numbers that we're going to be posting in the future. But um, there they are. Now, let me just say a little bit on the right-hand number, uh, which is uh, I've just read a couple of analyst reports this morning saying that, or one that said that um, reversals uh, confusing. So this number is versus Q1 2021. So it's a comparable. Um, uh, 2022, sorry, 2022. Um, uh, our reversals in Q1 23 were at a similar level to Q4 22. Um, now there's, I think, maybe a little bit of surprise that it was, uh, I, I guess, a sense that Q4 was hugely different to all the other quarters last year. Um, it was definitely the worst quarter last year for reversals, but it wasn't hugely different. It weren't double the, double the number of any of the other quarters. It's just that they had a bigger impact because the organic growth rates weren't as high. So uh, Q1 23 is similar to Q4 22 uh, in, in, in broad terms. And it's a, it's a key focus. For me, it's my number one focus right now. And I put this under the broad banner of trust. Marketplace dynamics for me are uh, reasonably simple. Uh, they come with scale. The larger the marketplace on the supplier side, the more choice the buyers have, and that's a desirable thing. The larger the marketplace on the demand side, the better the the the, the more the supply the higher prices that suppliers can choose uh, can can uh, can provide that the higher prices suppliers can can charge higher prices and they're going to get fulfilled more often. So there's a natural there's a natural um, leaning towards scale in a marketplace business. But the one key thing for me underpinning the health of a marketplace is trust and. This is my key focus for H1 2023, is to make sure that SIN is the most trusted marketplace in the world. And are we there right now? I'm not sure. Uh, I, I would like to think so. There was a report that we published on our website um, uh, last month saying that, uh, which was an independent, uh, some independent research done by Sapio or Sapio and Cambry saying that SIN has found this and there was nothing to do with us. They did this themselves. Um, they found SIN to have the highest quality sample in uh, across the industry. These are independent studies. Now, maybe that's true, uh, but it's not good enough for me as far as I'm concerned. We need to do better at, at this reversal uh, problem, at the fraud problem, uh, and we need to make sure that we are the most trusted marketplace in the industry. Next slide, please. Uh, so I've, I've talked about uh, point one. Um, we have an ongoing uh, Mike Mizell, who's who I promoted to chief trust and safety officer, has a, has uh, teams of engineers and analysts working on this. This is a key focus for us. 
at the moment, and we are implementing features um, every month uh, to uh, to counteract the, these these issues. Um, there's not one there's not one size fits all solution to this. There's a there's a bunch of different things that we're implementing, and it's not a it's not a one and done either. It's a little bit of a moving target. Um, we can deal with this in the Q and A if people want to uh, know more. Um, but also, I just do want to say that some of the things that we're doing, we're going to keep to ourselves because we think we've got some pretty interesting and very technologically advanced solutions that we're going to be bringing to bear here. And uh, we see those as a competitive advantage going forward. So I'm going to be reasonably tight-lipped on exactly what we're doing. Um, uh, okay, next slide, please. So, yeah, what I said at the beginning, um, Product integration, having one world-class market-leading product is my focus for the next year and a half, let's say. It's not going to be quick. There's a lot of work to do. This is not a straightforward business. There's lots of moving parts. Um, but we are well on the, well underway in, um, in bringing these two products together. But there's, it's not just about the product integration. It's about upgrading the user experience. It's about plugging into back-end systems and BI systems and, and, um, and all sorts of other um, operational systems. Uh, and then it's about making sure that this company is as efficient as it possibly can be. I think, I think of analogies like the, you know, the, like the Tesla factory where everything is optimized for, uh, for efficiency and profitability. That's the kind of thing that we want to be building towards. Um, to make that happen, obviously there are some costs that we're carrying right now, integration costs and, and, and people working on the integration, which can be repurposed towards growth and um, uh, innovation going forward, a lot of those. Um, one of the uh, things that we're not going to be needing to do is increase the level of costs in order to get the integration done. We can do it with the staff that we have right now, um, and we'll do it under the budget of $40 million, which was what was... Um, uh, uh, the number stated uh, a year ago. Uh, next slide, please. So, uh, my mantra internally is consolidate, standardize, and optimize. Number one, as I said, consolidate the platforms, consolidate the back-end systems, um, and make sure that we have the most efficient organization from a systems and product point of view. Uh, and then consolidate the customers onto that platform. And then standardize how we do things. Make sure that we are building models and, and, and operational methodologies across the company that we can duplicate and we can um, uh, optimize and, and, and bring on people, bring in new people, and get them up to speed as quickly as possible. That's the standardization process. And then optimize how we do things in order to drive profitability. And I've said at the bottom, this will move towards the creation of an efficient and highly profitable organization primed for the next phase of the, of the organization's evolution, which is going to be very growth-focused. Next slide, please. Just going to bring in something here which you may not have heard, heard, heard us talk about before. Um, Sin is a data genesis company. So in a world where AI is an emerging and in some cases rather scary prospect, uh, where organizations across the globe are going to move towards automation and the increased use of AI, uh, 
there is a need, a huge need for what I call uh, data genesis. That's the origination of real human orientated data. Um, you can't ask an AI how it feels about a product. You have to ask your consumers. Uh, so that's where SYN comes in. We are the connector between organizations who have curiosity and who aren't to ask questions and real people who can answer those questions. And in a world of increased AI, this, I think, is going to be a hugely important thing. Furthermore, uh, with, the, uh, with the increasing large language model desire and need for, for data, there's another, there's another opportunity here down the road for, to, to date, for, for the data that Synth creates to power these large language models or, or other AI. So that's not something we do right now. That's not something that's in our plan, but it's something that just to sort of give you an example of, of how what we do has huge long-term future potential. Um, I just wanted to say it here. And we are, and, um, uh, you know, we need to be understood as a, a data genesis company. Next slide, please. So I've got a, uh, a fantastic team. Uh, it's a blend of industry experts who have, you know, significant tenure, who understand this business, who understand this industry. Uh, uh, Jake and Mike and Felicia and Michelle are all long-time Sint and Lucid employees. Um, Olivier, uh, who you'll hear from in just a second, joined in November last year, and I've brought on um, oh, and Bridget as well. Sorry, Bridget, I uh, forgot to mention. Uh, is a, our fantastic chief product officer. Uh, and Alicia Embreja, or B as we call her, have joined in the last uh, month or so, two fantastic executives who round out the team. We, I now have a full team. We've just spent three days uh, off-site. It was a fantastic... Um, Ladies and gentlemen, we have lost connection with our speakers. Please stand by as I reconnect them. Uh, every year, 
so compared to Q1 uh, 2022, which is the most relevant indicator, uh, you will see that our organic growth, our net sales decreased by 11% uh, versus Q1 uh, 2022 from 67.3 to 59.9. And uh, on a lag for lag basis, so organic growth uh, in constant currency, uh, as uh, Giles said earlier, uh, we were down uh, 12% uh, in uh, Q1. Uh, our gross margin uh, for uh, Q1 was 35.9 million compared to 41.3 last year, uh, and the gross margin uh, is at 60%, slightly down versus the 61.3 of uh, last year uh, due to price uh, pressure uh, in, uh, in the market. And on the right, uh, what you can see is our uh, adjusted uh, EBITDA. So, again, uh, because we are relatively like fixed cost business and uh, Q1 is a pretty uh, low quarter, so the most relevant uh, comparison is with Q1 last year. And what you can see is that our uh, adjusted EBDA was at 3.7 million versus 8.1 last year, so a reduction of from 12.1% to 6.1%. Uh, uh, due uh, to uh, the relatively fixed uh, cost uh, base of, uh, of the business. But I will come back to that uh, later uh, in the presentation. So next slide. Uh, so now we are going to deep dive a little bit more like into uh, net sales. So on the left, uh, you can see uh, the business segment. So the way uh, we uh, break down our net sales are between like uh, media measurement and marketplace. So media measurement is a product that was created by Lucid a few years ago, and that has been growing uh, consistently uh, since then, year after year, quarter after quarter, and marketplace uh, is our largest uh, product. So marketplace uh, has reduced by uh, 16% versus Q1 last year from 61 to 51.2, uh, 16% and 7% in constant currency. The main driver of that is that we are seeing a lower spend from the existing uh, clients. That's really uh, the main driver. And in terms of media measurement, uh, which is, uh, unfortunately, I would say a smaller uh, portion, uh, we have seen uh, a very strong growth of 38%, 33% in constant currency, uh, driven by higher volumes with existing clients and also uh, quite a lot of new uh, client uh, gains. Uh, in the middle, uh, you have the breakdown of net sales by uh, region. So, Americas, uh, as Charles said earlier, is uh, our largest region, uh, and uh, so a decline of 11%, 15% in constant currency, and EMEA uh, and ATTAC, uh, by contrast, uh, did a little bit better, uh, were a little bit more resilient with 7% uh, organic uh, decline uh, in EMEA and 9% in Asia-Pacific. On the right, uh, you can see the breakdown by customer types, uh, so between tech-enabled companies and established uh, inside companies. And uh, so we saw like a decline of 3% uh, with tech-enabled, 3% uh, in constant currency, and 14% for established uh, inside companies, 16% in constant currency. So tech-enabled companies segment has uh, overperformed uh, established uh, inside uh, companies, 
which is something that we've seen, I would say, like almost like every quarter uh, since uh, we are track, uh, tracking this uh, indicator. Next slide, please. So, uh, little bit more figures about like uh, the PNL here. So, what you can see again is that our adjusted EBITDA has reduced from 8.1 last uh, in Q1 uh, 2022 to 3.7. Uh, in Q1 uh, 2023, uh, mainly driven by a reduction of uh, net sales and operating profit. As I said earlier, our operating uh, expenses are uh, slightly down compared to last year uh, due to uh, the cost synergies from the integration and cost containment uh, measures that have been uh, put in place uh, a few months uh, a few months ago. So. Uh, by far and large, our operating expenses are, uh, are under control. Next slide, please. Uh, now, uh, focusing on cash, uh, what you can see here is that our uh, cash uh, position at the end of uh, Q1 2023 is at 56.6 million. Uh, which compares to 55.7 at the end of Q1 uh, 2022. Uh, also, uh, we have seen, like, uh, in the quarter, an improvement of the working capital of 5.3 million, uh, driven by a higher focus on managing payment terms from accounts payable uh, and, uh, and receivables. Uh, which is a pretty good like improvement compared uh, to uh, last year uh, when we saw like a reduction of close to 80 million uh, in Q1, which was uh, due uh, to uh, the acquisition cost and also uh, some like uh, increase uh, in uh, in accounts uh, receivable. And I will comment about that uh, later in the presentation. Interestingly, as well, what you can see on this. Uh, slide is that our interest uh, have uh, gone up significantly from 0.5 in Q1 last year to close to 2 million uh, in Q1 this year. And this is coming from our uh, 120 million US dollar loan, uh, which is on variable uh, rate, uh, which is impacting us uh, significantly uh, this uh, year. Next slide, please. So if we focus now on the net uh, working capital, uh, so what you can see is our net working capital is at 21.2 million at the end of Q1 uh, 2023 compared to 28.8 uh, last year. Uh, so it's pretty significant 26% uh, reduction. Uh, what you can see as well is that our networking capital has been reducing uh, uh, consistently uh, since uh, Q2 uh, last year uh, due to the efficiency measures that uh, have been launched uh, in Q3 uh, 2022. Uh, and our accounts receivable are at like 84.9 million compared to 19.9 uh, last year. Uh, which is um, a significant uh, a significant reduction, and our accounts receivable compared to uh, last uh, 12 months total con con customer uh, spend uh, has continued to reduce uh, to 21.2 uh, at the end of of Q1. So we are seeing, uh, as mentioned, like in the title, some gradual uh, improvement. Uh, 
in uh, in networking uh, in networking capital. And now I'm handing over like to Giles for wrap up and conclusion. Yeah, thank you, Olivier. Um, very clear. Um, so uh, I think it's pretty clear what we're saying here. Q1 wasn't great. Um, nobody's nobody's trying to pretend anything different to that. Um, but I did want to spend that time like, giving you some sense of how I'm thinking about this business and the and the um, yeah next slide please uh, the short term priorities and uh, what we're going to be working on. So let me just reiterate: the product integration uh, is really front of mind for us. Trust is my number one priority. Um, in order to do the product integration. My mantra to the company, our sort of calling card is to consolidate, standardize, and optimize the business. Um, like I said here, implement additional security features to prevent reversals. That's under the banner of trust, as I said. Um, Olivier mentioned our focus on cash flow, networking capital, and collecting our debts. And we have a fantastic team. Uh, I am really, really happy with with my leadership team. And then our final slide, please. In a, uh, as I was saying a little bit earlier on, um, there is, I think, in this new world where AI is a growing presence, uh, an increasing need to connect companies with the opinions of real people. That's what, that's what we do at Scent. And we are positioned at the heart of, right in the middle of the market research value chain. Um, and that's, that's a key strategic position. And then finally, uh, the way I think about this and the reason why I was so excited to take this job is that for me, marketplace dynamics benefit from scale. I mentioned that earlier on. And furthermore, digitization. There's still, I don't know what the stats are, but there's a lot, there's still a lot of market research which is done offline, um, and in inefficient ways. Over time, that's going to move online and Sint is very well positioned to be a core provider uh, as more market research and more uh, opinion mining moves um, moves into the digital realm. So thank you very much. That's the end of the presentation. Um, let's open it up for questions. Thank you. If you would like to ask a question, please press star followed by one on your telephone keypad. If you choose to withdraw your question, please press star followed by two. When preparing to ask your question, please ensure, ensure your phone is unmuted locally. Our first question today goes to Predrag Savanovic of Carnegie Investment Bank. Predrag, please go ahead. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, thank you, operator. Uh, good morning, all, and, and also welcome on board, Giles. Uh, first, I want to ask about the integrations. I mean, this is the first time you address the market. I mean, your shareholder letter, you write that integrations are the top priority. You did reiterate OPEX synergies, uh, but there's a comment then on the timeline. Um, so do you mean, would you believe that the integrations will take take longer time than previously anticipated? And, and could you give us a a time frame also, if that would be, be the case? Yeah, uh, thank you for uh, the, um, the welcome. Um, so when I'm when I'm talking about integration here, I'm really you know, reiterating, I'm talking about the platform integration, the product integration, all the systems that that support that. 
all the way into the uh, ERP system um, so that we have one unified flow uh, in, within inside the company. We're not spinning four plates, four systems. We're operating one system, which we can then use as our core innovation engine. Um, now, it's not a one and done kind of um, uh, thing. This there's there's a there's a ton of ton of different work streams involved. There's lots of dependencies, um, and uh, this project will we've said will take well into 2024. Um, we are in the process of putting together a very detailed plan for exactly what will happen when. Um, and when you're looking out, you know, more than a couple of months, those plans are, when it comes to technology, they're very difficult to, to act, to forecast with a very high degree of accuracy. But if, if, if pushed right now, I would say that if we can get everything done by the end of 2024, I would be, I would be very happy because I'm looking at where we are right now and the amount of work that's ahead of us, and there's there's a lot there's a lot to do. Um, it's not going to be, uh, you know, all all work streams continuing all the way through to the end. There will be times it will be it will drop off as as things get delivered, as systems get integrated, as customers get migrated, um, then the integration work sort of sort of drops off. So it's not like everything will continue throughout to the end of next year, not at all. But um, but I would be I would be surprised if we got it done. Uh, we will try to get it done before the end of 2024. And I don't have an exact plan right now because we haven't done all of the work. But that's my that's my rough estimate. Um, but it's not it's not an exact science. Okay, thank you. And then secondly. On the reversal rates, you note that they are on the same levels in Q4, but then you're also right that you, you expect to gradually reduce them. Could you elaborate a bit on this point? I mean, do you see certain improvements here after the first quarter, or do you have um, certain security measures that you that you expect will have an effect on these? And also, Fred, to this point, I don't know really how this works, but is there a balance between how much security measures you can implement versus impacting say legitimate respondents um so any any clarity here would be would be appreciated yeah okay um like i said in the presentation there's there's a few things that i don't really that i i don't want to talk about because i see them as competitively advantageous um we have two main systems right uh we have the sin the sin uh marketplace and the lucid marketplace i mean they're not exactly the same but they we're we're continuing to operate both and um we've seen changes uh in um reversal rates between the two in q1 right so uh the lucid marketplace uh, we implemented some security features and reversals came down but then some uh some annoying um I guess not fraudulent behavior, but, but scripting, uh, script fraud or script interruptions got, uh, you know, increased in, in the synth, in the synth platform. Uh, and so we're looking at that very closely to, to, um, you know, reduce that level. So there's, there's, it's not a, it's not a simple one, one solution thing. And then there's a, there's a data science solution, which uh, I'm not going to talk about, but it's, we're using some advanced, statistical analysis and some AI to, 
to implement, uh, which we will be rolling out in Q2, which we are hopeful will have a significant impact. So it, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a cocktail of measures that we're deploying across several systems and at several points in the value chain uh, in order to, to minimize the uh, weaknesses or the, the opportunities for sort of bad actors to kind of interrupt the, the flow of things. In terms of the answer to your question, are they, is that going to minimize the, um, the real response? Uh, no, is the short answer. Very, very minimal because it, it's the, the patterns that we're seeing for fraudulent behavior or, or behavior that we don't want on our platform are, are reasonably clear. And so interrupting those uh, actually shouldn't have very much impact, if any, on, on real people and, and real respondents. Okay, that's brilliant. Thank you. And, and just a final one, if I may, in terms of revenue progression, if you could reason around the, the revenue development per month in a quarter, uh, say maybe January started weaker, March ended better, the other way around, or, or similar across uh, across the quarter. Um, we're not we're not commenting on that, but uh, what we're not seeing is revenue dropping off a cliff, right? We're not seeing things deteriorating uh, further than than. Uh, than, than they are right now. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, we're not giving kind of month by month, but um, I'm, I'm not I'm not alarmed by the shape of the quarter to, to, to kind of hint at it. Okay, well, that's super helpful. Thank you. Thank you. The next question goes to Sarah Starlova of SEB. Sarah, please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you very much. Hi, Giles and Olivier. Thank you for the presentation and uh, welcome aboard from me as well, I guess. Um, I, I'd like to start by getting some more color on the macro backdrop. Um, if you could comment on how you think that Q1 looks compared to Q4, I think that would be very helpful. Yeah, um, I'm not sure I can, to be honest. I don't have enough uh, experience to do that. Um, but what I will point you at is the, the, the slide that Olivier presented around what we've called tech-enabled versus in, in industry players or large industry players. And what we're seeing is that that, that number, the large industry player declines, I think, is, is higher in Q1 than it was in Q4, which is indicative, I think, of the macro uh, in that area. Um, so... That's about all I can say with any sort of helpfulness, I think. And that's, Olivier, have you got anything to say on that? No, what, what, what I would add is that I cannot give like uh, names of like uh, industry players, but everywhere you look, like um, uh, everywhere you look, you see that companies uh, with some declining uh, like growth rate, like everywhere we look. In this case. We don't see like a single player uh, like in the market research industry that is like uh, improving in terms of revenue. Right. And are you at all able to comment on what you're seeing so far into Q2? I mean, it's, it's been a month. Are you seeing any kind of sequential improvements, would you say? Uh, we're not going to comment on Q2 at this, at this stage, I'm afraid. Okay. Um, do you have any sort of internal analysis or expectations on when you expect to return to growth? I mean, you, you said that your priority this year lies 
uh, in other places uh, on the integration and optimization and so on. Uh, so is, is the conclusion that gro- returning to growth isn't really a priority for this year, is that correct? Or uh, how, how um, would you describe it? So everything is a balance, right? Um, I'm coming into this organization, it was pretty clear to me that uh, we need to create that single platform. We need to create that platform for long-term sustainable growth. And that's a, that's a decision that um, you could argue uh, might have an impact on this year's growth. I'm, I'm, not, sure it, I'm not sure it does. Um, I think it has an impact on next year and the year after's growth in a positive way. Um, and unless we create this single platform on which we can innovate and expand what we do and and really lead in terms of thought leadership and innovation, then then um, then growth is always going to be more challenging. So I'm not sure the two are actually a trade-off. Uh, but in terms of this year, we're not we're not giving guidance this year. I mean, I'm, I'm one one month in, and um, uh, you know we've we've got a budget for this year. Um, I'm very comfortable with it. Um, but 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 we're not we're not giving we're not giving guidance on when the company's going to get back to growth. It's but it it is a priority, right? Like it's not well. What we're not saying is oh yeah, we're we're not we're not planning on getting back to growth. That's not what we're saying. We're just not saying when at this point. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, well, thank you for that. Uh, I, I have one uh, sort of question, um, which I hope you could help me with, because I looked at the, the, the underlying KPIs that you report, and I noticed that the number of B2B customers is unchanged sequentially. Still, the, the customer spend or the total customer spend is down 30%. So I'm just wondering, could you say if you have lost any major clients during the quarter? Because I think that would kind of explain this dynamic if you assume that new clients tend to come in with a lower spend and then ramp up gradually. Yeah. Um, look, that 4,900 uh, number, was that was a slide from last quarter to really illustrate um, what the business does. Um, there's uh, one of the other things that, that we're looking at very closely is how we count customers as we integrate the platform and as we uh, go through a kind of uh, a customer hierarchy and uh, a, a rethink of how we of what it means to actually have you know how we count customers basically uh, then we're not we're not not that comfortable in basically saying what our customer count is um, but for sure uh, you know, we the the customer count is not higher now than it was at the end of December, and, and um, depending on how you count them, and we're not, and I'm not clear enough about how how we do that right now, so I'm not happy to sort of publish those numbers. But um, uh, the, the the customer numbers are, if anything, going to be lower now than they were at the end of December. But we don't have that data to to share, unfortunately. Okay, got it. Uh, that's all from me. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. The next, thank you. The next question goes to Victor Hogberg of Danske Bank. Victor, please go ahead. Your line is open. Yeah. Good morning. Uh, so, just the first question to you guys. Um, when you signed off today on to this uh, one, was this the kind of asset that you signed off for, or have you been surprised by the state of things in Q1, or was this a challenge that you were happy to meet? Just. Uh, some background on what you expected and what you did meet. 
Thank you. Um, well, uh, you know, uh, like like you coming into the company, I'm, I wasn't given uh, much guidance in 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 what was coming next. That's the nature of the business, right? It's a public business. Um, I was, uh, you know, it was pretty clear where Q3 was. I was, I was, uh, I, f I felt like I wasn't. Um, I felt like Q4 was. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I I took the job on the 23rd of January, so this was before Q4 was. Uh, announced in terms of um is it worse or better than i expected both it's both worse and better so so the culture is better the people are amazing i think the opportunity is fantastic the results are not as good as i was expecting them to be for sure uh i think i'm in the same boat as you there um but this is a really interesting challenge and one that i am totally up for so um whether i whether i it's worse or better than i was expecting like I said, better in some respects, worse in others. But um, but it's going to be amazing in a year's time. I'm going to tell you that right now. Okay. Um, one thing, and it might be too uh, too early for you to add the details on it, but on the gross margin side, um, I guess it was mixed driven. Uh, was on the low side in Q1. Um, any one-offs in that one, or just volume and mix? Any comments on? Gross margin, what to expect? You previously said 60 to 63 percent could be the possible range in the short term. Is that still uh, relevant? Yeah, that's still relevant. It's complicated. I asked my team this question yesterday. Um, some of the more experienced people in the organisation, do you have any comments on gross margin? And, and the uh, and the response I got back was, it's complicated. There's different elements that play into it. Um, uh, the improvements in long-term gross margin, I think, are, are definitely possible, but that's going to involve doing the sorts of things that I've been talking about in the presentation, um, optimizing and uh, standardizing and optimizing how we do things. Um, there's definitely room in our cog to, for, for improvement, in my opinion, but it's going to be a systematic improvement uh, that is going to take some time. And uh, on the OPEX side, um fairly stable um what to expect for this year that's one thing that you can uh affect yourself uh, macro and, and outside demand maybe not um how are you managing the opex uh, during this year because that was fairly stable throughout 2022 is that to be expected this year as well or do you need to ramp up real investments not the one-offs the integration costs but uh, in the organization in order to to meet the future demand or is this a level where you can work from no, I think uh, I think the expectation at this point in time is that uh, we will remain at about like the same level in terms of operating expenses. For sure, uh, if uh, our like uh, revenue is not developing uh, as uh, expected, we might need to take some additional uh, measures. But we are not uh, at this point. Uh, we are not at this point in, in time. So, so no, we expect like expenses to remain relatively like steady uh, in uh, 2023. And on, on that, if revenues would develop in another way, would that be additional measures in staffing up or staffing down? Uh, yeah, I mean, we will, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, we'll adjust, like, depending, like, on the business, uh, performance. But again, the difficulty is that we are operating a relatively, like, fixed cost, uh, fixed cost model. So, uh, but at this point in time, uh, we expect our operating expenses to remain steady, uh, in uh, 2023.
Okay. And on, on the cash flow side, the debt and the covenant, because currently you're not uh, anywhere close to a, a breach, but you have mentioned the covenant that you did uh, renegotiate that. Is that related to the RCF, and is that even drawn? And what is the covenant? Yes, so 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 uh, I, 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 as you have seen, so our Q, uh, Q4 numbers and our Q1, num- uh, Q1 numbers are not uh, what they were like expected uh, expected to be. Uh, so, which like trigger like um, a renegotiation of the covenants uh, with the bank that we did like uh, in uh, in Q1 uh, in order to uh, ensure that we would like uh, remain uh, compliant uh, into uh, in uh, 2023. So uh, we were compliant at the end of uh, Q1, uh, so uh, like on 31st of March, and we are doing uh, we are like ensuring that we remain like compliant. Uh, for as long as we have this covenant in place, that's what we are doing. You can't, you won't comment on the level of it. Uh, no, we cannot comment on the level of it. No. Okay. I mean, we have like the yeah. usual. Uh, I mean, as you can imagine, we have like the usual, usual like uh, indicators and ratios and uh, and all that in place. So we have like some uh, obligations, like on a monthly basis, we have some obligations, like on a quarterly basis. Okay, okay. And just a final question for me. Uh, on the platform, uh, the uptime of the platform, basically, do you think that affected Q3 growth? Is that behind us? Uh, do you think that it's stable enough, uh, investments to just integrate the platforms or still some work to do on the historical issues on uh, H2 growth in terms of the platform performance? Yeah, as far as I'm aware, and I have some data on this, but probably not full information, those issues are behind us. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. The next question goes to Alex Gouin of Jefferies. Alex, please go ahead. Your line is open. Hi. Morning, everyone. Thanks for taking my questions. Um, I have two, and I just want to follow up on some of the other questions that uh, other people have had. Um, number one, so this one is for Jai. So I understand in your beginning remarks, there's two parts of the process. Number one is updating the tech, the product, to improve the customer experience. And then number two is that's going to be the integration process of Synth and Lucid. Is it correct to understand that the integration process itself will cost that $40 million? And then on top of that, there's another budget for the tech upgrade. Uh, no, no. Uh, no, let me restate. The, so... A lot of the integration of the two companies has been done already. Like one company, one organization, uh, one HR system, one brand, so on and so forth. All of the, all of the sort of bringing the organizations together. The bit that I'm very focused on as a CEO right now is the platform integration, bringing the two products together into one product, uh, which will be the go forward product for the entire company. Um, uh, and, and, and it will be sort of an upgrade on, on, on either of the two existing products. Uh, and then the, uh, and, and, and then the final piece is to migrate the customers over to that new product. Um, and that, they, they kind of are sequential, but they, but it'll happen, you know, the customers will come over, uh, bit by bit, not all in one go. Um, the 40 million covers the entire thing, right? And most of that 40 million has been spent already. I think maybe around about, 
30 or 25? 23 at the end of March. 23 at the end of March. Um, and we will get this whole process done for less than 40. I guess a follow-up with that would be what, what gives you the confidence? Because as you mentioned, the process usually takes longer than what is expected at the beginning and most likely going to cost more. We have the skills in-house to do the rest of the work. Okay. And then my second question would be, I think in the press release, um, you were flagging some uh, supply surplus. I was wondering if you guys have seen any sort of irrational pricing from competitors. And then I think, I believe Quartrics and Survey Monkey uh, are in the process of being taken private soon. A any thoughts on that, on how that might affect uh, synth operation and the industry as a whole? So, um, being a marketplace, uh, a reverse auction marketplace, price finds its own spot on the supply versus demand curve. So I don't I don't think that, that this is a competitive, you know, a competitor underpricing us. I think this is the, the general dynamics of the marketplace. Um, on the SurveyMonkey and Qualtrics being taken private, um, I don't know is the, is the answer. Um, I, I would I would assume that they're being taken private to, because the investors see that as an opportunity and they will be looking to grow those companies uh, over time in private hands without necessarily. Uh, they're being taken private to, because the investors see that as an opportunity and they will be looking to grow those companies uh, over time in private hands without necessarily the uh, oversight of the public markets or whatever the rationale. That, that could well be good for us. So I don't necessarily see this as a negative for Sin at all. Okay, cool. Thanks for your time. Thank you. Thank you. And the final question goes to Frederick LaSalle of Handles Banking. Frederick, please go ahead. Your line is open. Thank you very much. And uh, guys, welcome on board. Uh, most questions have been answered, obviously, here. But I, I just wanted to tap you again, guys, on, on the integration here and maybe get some more answers out of you. I mean, you have two platforms. I guess there are, are more sub-platforms within each of those. Is the intention to um, sort of decide to use one of those two and ultimately close down the second one, or do you intend to integrate these two platforms into one? Uh, so if you could, I mean, given your experience, your background, it would be interesting if you could sort of put some more color on how you plan this work yeah. ahead. It would be interesting. Thank you. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. Thank you. Um, so when I did it before, we pulled apart the two products and put the back end of one in, into the front end of the other. I mean, to, to be simplistic about it, it was more complex than that that's why it took a year but um that was the philosophy um with with synth and, and lucid we're basically going to be extending one of the platforms to to incorporate the functionality of the other of the, the important functionality of the other so we're basically taking the lucid platform and uh extending that and and that will be our go forward platform but with much more functionality with a refreshed user experience, with with a, a, a bit, with with some innovation baked into it as well. So, 
So there's a lot of work going on on that right now. Um, and until we have closed the gap on the functionality that the SIM platform owns, then customers won't want to migrate. So we have to we have to close that functionality, have an upgraded experience for everybody, and then migrate um, the SIM customers onto the Lucid platform. That's simplistically, from a simplistic point of view, what we're doing. Um, that decision was made before I, I joined, and it's the right decision. Um, my job is to now make sure that it's, it's pushed through to completion in a really professional way. And and then the, the migration of the clients, you said in, in your comments earlier that it will be a gradual uh, move uh, one by one, I guess. Is, is, is that a complex nature to move those clients or is it sort of API uh, easy, easy done when you take one customer at a time or is it complex? Some more complex than others. Um, we haven't done that planning yet, but uh, my guess is it will be cohort by cohort, like 200 at a time over a weekend or something like that. Um, uh, there were there are more complex, larger customers that will have a much more white glove treatment, and we will go through that process very much hand in hand with them and make sure that they are getting a fantastic service and are extremely happy with the um, with the result process. Very much hand in hand with them and make sure that they are getting a fantastic service and are extremely happy with the um, with the result. Uh, and the final one on this, then, when you are complete, uh, give that uh, end of 24 or something like that, uh, will that mean you close down the SIM platform uh, if that's the choice? And that will uh, uh, take away uh, some of, of COGS or is it yeah, going to be yeah. some OPEX? Uh, COGS and OPEX? Both yeah. Okay. Perfect. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We've just had a couple more questions come through. The first one's from Daniel Thorson of ABG. Daniel, please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes. Hi. Thank you very much. And uh, welcome, Giles, as well. Uh, so lots of questions Thanks, already answered, uh, of course, but I have one on strategy. So previous strategy has been outlining acquisitions of panel organizations that drive both pricing power, but also competitive advantages, obviously. Is that something you think is necessary going ahead, or are you happy with the third-party structure as it is right now? I don't know, Daniel, is the short answer. Um, my focus really is on um, getting the efficient, you know, the, the stuff that we've talked about today in, in the call. Um, uh, I don't want to be distracted by too many other things. I want us to focus and deliver on the uh, the integration and the standardization, the consolidation, the optimization. If at that point, or as we as we get through that process, we start looking at other strategic kind of directions, you know, absolutely happy to do that. But right now, I, I kind of don't want that distraction. I see, I see. And then the second question, you may have answered it. I, I was in another call here at the same time, but. When you look at the performance in Q1 and Q4 also here with negative organic growth, is it broad-based across the customer portfolio for all the customers, or do you have any larger accounts that are affecting more in this quarter, for example? Yeah, what we said in, in the presentation, I think it's slide, I don't know, 20 maybe, um, in one of Olivier's slides was that the, the media measurement business is growing, the tech-enabled customers are flat, and the larger, more established market research customers are are down by something like 16% year on year. So we can see that that's where the, the negative performance is, is really mostly coming from. Excellent. Thank you very much. 
Thank you. Thank you. And our last question is a follow-up from Victor Hogberg. Victor, please go ahead. Your line is open. Yes, I just a follow-up on the platform migration and a question where Frederick asked already on what that will do to COGS. Yeah, rolling onto this Lucid platform over time, would that mean something on the revenue recognition model uh, that you have net versus growth? Um, that would mean that gross profit growth, organic, will be the main interesting item in your P&L. Maybe you should start reporting that way ahead of time. If I got it right, that that will change the dynamics in the uh, revenue recognition when you roll on the platform to, to Lucid. Funny you should say that. We've been talking about that very thing uh, over the last month, and it's my uh, hope that that's exactly how we will um, uh, report revenues going forwards. Obviously, we'll, we'll restate. We've been talking about that very thing uh, over the last month, and it's my uh, hope that that's exactly how we will um, uh, report revenues going forwards. Obviously, we'll, we'll restate the historic. We won't restate them, but we'll. Uh, uh, recalculate the historics just for for comparative purposes. Um, but but when I was saying that uh, COGS would improve, it wasn't because we're switching the revenue re revenue recognition model because um, that's like you know sleight of hand uh, in terms of you know the real answer to the question. The, I I I do believe that there's efficiencies that we can that can be made in our cost of goods sold um, so that our actual gross profit on a like for like basis would be. Um, would be higher than it is today, let's say. Um, but in general, having one revenue recognition model across our marketplace business, to me, seems like a very sensible uh, thing to do going forward. And as we migrate to the new platform, um, I think that's the time to do it. But we have to go through some hoops to do that. We have to get auditors to agree to it. We have to, you know, go through that process. But that's the uh, that's the aim. Hmm. Hey. Previous management usually commented on that one, that the, the Synth customers liked doing business or ordering in one way, the Lucid customers. In another way, it was hard to combine the two for the two customer groups. Do you see that as a potential hurdle, the way they see at their, see their payments, basically, and their payment flow? I don't know if that would change, uh, but you see some kind of operational... Um, I'm not sure it's the payments flow. I think it's more... I think it's more rate card versus reverse marketplace floating cost uh, sort of methodologies. I think I think that's possibly what. I mean, I wasn't here, so I don't know what they were what what previous manager was referring to. But if I was to guess, that was what it would be. We are going to be uh, building uh, that functionality into the new platform so that there's uh, uh, optionality. Okay, so it won't be uh, look and feel change, maybe. Uh, for the customers in terms of how they order on the platform? It'll be looking for a change for everybody because we're, we're going to be upgrading uh, the whole user experience to to make it, um, you know, better for everybody. But in terms of their uh, ordering, they, they, they will have the opportunity to sh switch or to uh, determine themselves how to order. Would that be the right that is um, that is our intention. Uh, like okay. I said, there's still some planning to do, and there's still a lot of work to do on the integration. Um, we haven't finalised exactly how everything's going to work, but that's our intention. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. We have no further questions. I will now hand back to Giles for any closing comments. 
uh, not really for me. I think I've, I've repeated myself a bunch today, which I hope hopefully hopefully has been useful to you uh, to help you get to understand how I'm thinking about things. Thank you for your great questions um, and uh, for your patience with the company. We are going to uh, work hard to to um, to improve how uh, the performance of this business going forwards and uh, um, and uh, for your patience with the company. We are going to. Uh, Work hard to to um, to improve how uh, the performance of this business going forwards. And uh, yeah, I look forward to speaking to you again in due course. Thank you very much. Thank you. This now concludes today's call. Thank you so much for joining. You may now disconnect your lines.